book five chapters twenty one and twenty two of a hero of our time by mikhail yurovich lermontov translated by j h wisdom and mar murray this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book five the third extract from pechorin's diary princess mary chapter twenty one as i descended by the path i observed grushnitski's blood-stained corpse between the clefts of the rocks involuntarily i closed my eyes untying my horse i set off home at a walking pace a stone lay upon my heart to my eyes the sun seemed dim its beams were powerless to warm me i did not ride up to the village but turned to the right along the gorge the sight of a man would have been painful to me i wanted to be alone throwing down the bridle and letting my head fall on my breast i rode for a long time and at length found myself in a spot with which i was wholly unfamiliar i turned my horse back and began to search for the road the sun had already set by the time i had ridden up to kislovodsk myself and my horse both utterly spent my servant told me that werner had called and he handed me two notes one from werner the other from vera i opened the first its contents were as follows everything has been arranged as well as could be the mutilated body has been brought in and the bullet extracted from the breast everybody is convinced that the cause of death was an unfortunate accident only the commandant who was doubtless aware of your quarrel shook his head but he said nothing there are no proofs at all against you and you may sleep in peace if you can farewell for a long time i could not make up my mind to open the second note what could it be that she was writing to me my soul was agitated by a painful foreboding here it is that letter each word of which is indelibly engraved upon my memory i am writing to you in the full assurance that we shall never see each other again a few years ago on parting with you i thought the same however it has been heaven's will to try me a second time i have not been able to endure the trial my frail heart has again submitted to the well-known voice you will not despise me for that will you this letter will be at once a farewell and a confession i am obliged to tell you everything that has been treasured up in my heart since it began to love you i will not accuse you you have acted towards me as any other man would have acted you have treated me as a chattel as a source of joys disquietudes and griefs interchanging one with the other without which life would be dull and monotonous i have understood all that from the first but you were unhappy and i have sacrificed myself hoping that some time you would appreciate my sacrifice that some time you would understand my deep tenderness unfettered by any conditions a long time has elapsed since then i have fathomed all the secrets of your soul and i have convinced myself that my hope was in vain it has been a bitter blow to me but my love has been grafted with my soul it has grown dark but has not been extinguished we are parting forever yet you may be sure that i shall never love another upon you my soul has exhausted all its treasures its tears its hopes she who has once loved you cannot look without a certain disdain upon other men not because you have been better than they oh no but in your nature there is something peculiar belonging to you alone something proud and mysterious in your voice whatever the words spoken there is an invincible power no one can so constantly wish to be loved in no one is wickedness ever so attractive 
no one's glance promises so much bliss no one can better make use of his advantages and no one can be so truly unhappy as you because no one endeavours so earnestly to convince himself of the contrary now i must explain the cause of my hurried departure it will seem of little importance to you because it concerns me alone this morning my husband came in and told me about your quarrel with grushnitski evidently i changed countenance greatly because he looked me in the face long and intently i almost fainted at the thought that you had to fight a duel to-day and that i was the cause of it it seemed to me that i should go mad but now when i am able to reason i am sure that you remain alive it is impossible that you should die and i not with you impossible my husband walked about the room for a long time i do not know what he said to me i do not remember what i answered most likely i told him that i loved you i only remember that at the end of our conversation he insulted me with a dreadful word and left the room i heard him ordering the carriage i have been sitting at the window three hours now awaiting your return but you are alive you cannot have died the carriage is almost ready good-bye good-bye i have perished but what matter if i could be sure that you will always remember me i no longer say love no only remember good-bye they are coming i must hide this letter you do not love mary do you you will not marry her listen you must offer me that sacrifice i have lost everything in the world for you like a madman i sprang on the steps jumped on my circassian horse which was being led about the courtyard and set off at full gallop along the road to pyatigorsk unsparingly i urged on the jaded horse which snorting and all in a foam carried me swiftly along the rocky road the sun had already disappeared behind a black cloud which had been resting on the ridge of the western mountains the gorge grew dark and damp the podkumok forcing its way over the rocks roared with a hollow and monotonous sound i galloped on choking with impatience the idea of not finding vera in pyatigorsk struck my heart like a hammer for one minute again to see her for one minute to say farewell to press her hand i prayed cursed wept laughed no nothing could express my anxiety my despair now that it seemed possible that i might be about to lose her for ever vera became dearer to me than aught in the world dearer than life honour happiness god knows what strange what mad plans swarmed in my head meanwhile i still galloped urging on my horse without pity and now i began to notice that he was breathing more heavily he had already stumbled once or twice on level ground i was five versts from essentuki a cossack village where i could change horses all would have been saved had my horse been able to hold out for another ten minutes but suddenly in lifting himself out of a little gully where the road emerges from the mountains at a sharp turn he fell to the ground i jumped down promptly i tried to lift him up i tugged at his bridle in vain a scarcely audible moan burst through his clenched teeth in a few moments he expired i was left on the step alone i had lost my last hope i endeavoured to walk my legs sank under me exhausted by the anxieties of the day and by sleeplessness i fell upon the wet grass and burst out crying like a child for a long time i lay motionless and wept bitterly without attempting to restrain my tears and sobs i thought my breast would burst all my firmness all my coolness disappeared like smoke my soul grew powerless my reason silent 
and if any one had seen me at that moment he would have turned aside with contempt when the night dew and the mountain breeze had cooled my burning brow and my thoughts had resumed their usual course i realized that to pursue my perished happiness would be unavailing and unreasonable what more did i want to see her why was not all over between us a single bitter farewell kiss would not have enriched my recollections and after it parting would only have been more difficult for us still i am pleased that i can weep perhaps however the cause of that was my shattered nerves a night passed without sleep two minutes opposite the muzzle of a pistol and an empty stomach it is all for the best that new suffering created within me a fortunate diversion to speak in military style to weep is healthy and then no doubt if i had not ridden as i did and had not been obliged to walk fifteen versts on my way back sleep would not have closed my eyes on that night either i returned to kislovodsk at five o'clock in the morning threw myself on my bed and slept the sleep of napoleon after waterloo by the time i awoke it was dark outside i sat by the open window with my jacket unbuttoned and the mountain breeze cooled my breast still troubled by the heavy sleep of weariness in the distance beyond the river through the tops of the thick lime trees which overshadowed it lights were glancing in the forest and the village close at hand all was calm it was dark in princess ligovsky's house the doctor entered his brows were knit contrary to custom he did not offer me his hand where have you come from doctor from princess ligovsky's her daughter is ill nervous exhaustion that is not the point though this is what i have come to tell you the authorities are suspicious and although it is impossible to prove anything positively i should all the same advise you to be cautious princess ligovsky told me to-day that she knew that you fought a duel on her daughter's account that little old man what's his name has told her everything he was a witness of your quarrel with grushnitsky in the restaurant i have come to warn you good-bye maybe we shall not meet again you will be banished somewhere he stopped on the threshold he would gladly have pressed my hand and had i shown the slightest desire to embrace him he would have thrown himself upon my neck but i remained cold as a rock and he left the room that is just like men they are all the same they know beforehand all the bad points of an act they help they advise they even encourage it seeing the impossibility of any other expedient and then they wash their hands of the whole affair and turn away with indignation from him who has had the courage to take the whole burden of responsibility upon himself they are all like that even the best natured the wisest chapter twenty two next morning having received orders from the supreme authority to betake myself to the n fortress i called upon princess ligovsky to say good-bye she was surprised when in addition to her question whether i had not anything of special importance to tell her i said i had come to wish her good-bye and so on but i must have a very serious talk with you i sat down in silence it was clear that she did not know how to begin her face grew livid she tapped the table with her plump fingers at length in a broken voice she said listen monsieur pechorin i think that you are a gentleman i bowed nay i am sure of it she continued although your behaviour is somewhat equivocal but you may have reasons which i do not know and you must now confide them to me you have protected my daughter from slander you have fought a duel on her behalf 
consequently you have risked your life do not answer i know that you will not acknowledge it because grushnitski has been killed she crossed herself god forgive him and you too i hope that does not concern me i dare not condemn you because my daughter although innocently has been the cause she has told me everything everything i think you have declared your love for her she has admitted hers to you here princess ligovsky sighed heavily but she is ill and i am certain that it is no simple illness secret grief is killing her she will not confess but i am convinced that you are the cause of it listen you think perhaps that i am looking for rank or immense wealth be undeceived my daughter's happiness is my sole desire your present position is unenviable but it may be bettered you have means my daughter loves you she has been brought up in such a way that she will make her husband a happy man i am wealthy she is my only child tell me what is keeping you back you see i ought not to be saying all this to you but i rely upon your heart upon your honour remember she is my only daughter my only one she burst into tears princess i said it is impossible for me to answer you allow me to speak to your daughter alone never she exclaimed rising from her chair in violent agitation as you wish i answered preparing to go away she fell into thought made a sign to me with her hand that i should wait a little and left the room five minutes passed my heart was beating violently but my thoughts were tranquil my head cool however assiduously i sought in my breast for even a spark of love for the charming mary my efforts were of no avail then the door opened and she entered heavens how she had changed since i had last seen her and that but a short time ago when she reached the middle of the room she staggered i jumped up gave her my arm and led her to a chair i stood facing her we remained silent for a long time her large eyes full of unutterable grief seemed to be searching in mine for something resembling hope her wan lips vainly endeavoured to smile her tender hands which were folded upon her knees were so thin and transparent that i pitied her princess i know you know that i have been making fun of you you must despise me a sickly flush suffused her cheeks consequently i continued you cannot love me she turned her head away leaned her elbows on the table covered her eyes with her hand and it seemed to me that she was on the point of tears oh god she said almost inaudibly the situation was growing intolerable another minute and i should have fallen at her feet so you see yourself i said in as firm a voice as i could command and with a forced smile you see yourself that i cannot marry you even if you wished it now you would soon repent my conversation with your mother has compelled me to explain myself to you so frankly and so brutally i hope that she is under a delusion it will be easy for you to undeceive her you see i am playing a most pitiful and ugly role in your eyes and i even admit it that is the utmost i can do for your sake however bad an opinion you may entertain of me i submit to it you see that i am base in your sight am i not is it not true that even if you have loved me you would despise me from this moment she turned round to me she was pale as marble but her eyes were sparkling wondrously i hate you she said i thanked her bowed respectfully and left the room an hour afterwards a postal express was bearing me rapidly from kislovodsk 
a few verse from essentuki i recognized near the roadway the body of my spirited horse the saddle had been taken off no doubt by a passing cossack and in its place two ravens were sitting on the horse's back i sighed and turned away and now here in this wearisome fortress i often ask myself as my thoughts wander back to the past why did i not wish to tread that way thrown open by destiny where soft joys and ease of soul were awaiting me no i could never have become habituated to such a fate i am like a sailor born and bred on the deck of a pirate brig his soul has grown accustomed to storms and battles but once let him be cast upon the shore and he chafes he pines away however invitingly the shady groves allure however brightly shines the peaceful sun the livelong day he paces the sandy shore hearkens to the monotonous murmur of the on-rushing waves and gazes into the misty distance lo yonder upon the pale line dividing the blue deep from the grey clouds is there not glancing the longed-for sail at first like the wing of a seagull but little by little severing itself from the foams of the billows and with even course drawing nigh to the desert harbour end of book five chapter twenty two recording by expatriate in bangor maine end of a hero of our time by mikhail yurovich lermontov translated by j h wisdom and mar murray